we want to right here, right now, declare that you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of our best. You're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our affection. And you're worthy of our praise. In good times and in bad times, you're worthy of our praise. In happy days and in sad days, you're worthy of our praise. In 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, you're worthy of our praise. So irrespective of what is swirling around us right now, in our hearts, we have praise and we're going to let it out. So Jesus, be magnified right now. God, be glorified right now. Holy Spirit, feel welcome right now. Come on, you are worthy, God. And everyone who feels that God is worthy, come on, gave him a massive shout of praise. Come on, do that right now. Amen. Hey, y'all can grab your seats on every single campus. Hey, it's so good seeing you through the screen right now. If you're joining us online, uh, if you're at home right now and you're hunkered down a little bit, we want you to know you are so loved, you're so valued, uh, you're so seen. Um, not, not physically, practically, we didn't set up cameras, uh, but we want you to know that you're not alone no matter what you're going through. Uh, if you're watching online, we just want to let you know we love you so much. Anderson Campus, how good is it be? Come on, to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It is so, so good. For those who haven't met me before, my name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church, and I'm the best friend that you've never met if we haven't met before. So come and say good day to your long-lost Australian-Asian cousin um, if you ever see me walking down the street. Uh, I'm so pumped right now. We're starting a brand new series next week, okay? Everyone say new series. It's going to be so good. It's called No Other Gospel, and it's all about the good news. How many people believe the world needs more good news? Come on. We got a lot of bad news around. We got some fake news around. Come on, we need some good news, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks exploring the good news through the book of Galatians. Um, our lead pastor and my buddy, best friend, brother, Brad Cooper, is going to be sharing next week, so make sure you mark it in your calendars, tell everyone you know, your family, your friends, your enemies, bring them all, they need to hear the good news next week. Uh, but this week, I get the honor and privilege of closing out this series called Generational, and real talk, this series has been so impactful to me. I know for uh, many people, you're like me. You sit in church week in, week out. You have for many years, and you feel like you've heard it all before. I'm here to confess to you, I sometimes fall into that trap. I've heard so many sermon series, so many teachings, but I'm here to let you know that this one was so fresh. It was so unique. In all my years of walking with Jesus, I've never spent a lot of time reflecting on the fact that our God is a generational God. When he looks at us, he doesn't just look at us. He looks at the ones who have come before us and the ones who are still to come. That's the reason he calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the reason he talks about blessings we can experience from generations past and blessings, come on, we can send to generations forward. And because God sees our faith through a generational lens, we have to see our faith and our lives through that generational lens as well. Or in other words, the life we're living and the faith we're enjoying isn't just based on your personal decision. Someone played a part in that who went before you. Just think about that. 
right now, you're here right now because you're walking with Jesus, but there was also a praying grandmother. How many people are grateful, come on, for praying grandmothers in our lives? Come on, we're here right now. Yes, it's because we lifted our hand at some point. Yes, we walked forward at a gathering at some point, but there was a mother or a father, both biological or spiritual, who was setting the tone and praying into that moment. We have a generational God, therefore we must live our lives through a generational lens because those who came before us have impacted our journeys and get this into your heads and your hearts, the lives we live, come on, the bravery we show, the love we give, come on, the perilous faith that we embrace is going to impact people in the generations to come. Come on, think about that. Every single person who is old like me, you know, 45 plus right now, we get like kind of a couple more decades at this. We need to burn our last few decades making sure that people who are going to follow us have living faith that comes from us. Come on, even for the young people here in the room, I, I saw the Anderson women's soccer team all roll in before, kind of looking all jacked and ripped and ready to kind of rumble, and, and I'm here to let you know, you're like 18, 19 years old right now, but the decisions you're making right now, the paths you're taking right now, your yeses and your noes are going to show up in generations to come. I know you don't want to think about it right now, but you're going to be old like me before you know it. You're going to be looking great, I understand that, but you're going to be old before you know it, and you get an opportunity every single day to walk a path that will impact your children, your grandchildren, and their children. Come on, our God is a generational God, so we must embrace our lives and live our faiths through that generational lens. That's the reason we've been getting around this concept, this truth. Pastor Brad, for the first two weeks, my brother, Reverend Dr. Bishop Clayton King, last week, this phrase of success is succession. If we have a generational God who wants us to live our lives through a generational lens, therefore, true success isn't about the money you make, it's not the inheritance that you leave, like as far as property or land. It's not about how big you become, how TikTok famous you become. No, no. It's all about do you set the next generation up, come on, to run their faith race, come on, in a successful way. Success, therefore, is succession. It doesn't matter if you make a million dollars. It doesn't matter if you make a billion dollars. If you don't leave a living faith behind for those to run with. You failed in life. It doesn't matter how many people recognize you on the street. It doesn't matter how big your company name becomes. If you don't take the opportunity to sow seeds that will be birthed in generations to come, we failed. Success is succession. So really, life, therefore, can never be viewed as a sprint. There's not a quick run for you. Nor can you look at life as a marathon, this long, arduous race that I gotta hang in with. Life is not a sprint. Life is not a marathon. Life, truly, as God designed it, is a relay race. So the question I want you to ask as we close out this series, recognizing that our God is a generational God and he wants to do something in your life because he wants to impact many lives in the generations to come. How can we live our life? How can we run our leg 
so that we squeeze out the most of this opportunity in setting up the generations to come. I've been asking that question. I was looking at my son yesterday. I was just staring at him. He's like, you know, 15 years old. He's taller than me. He's working out every day. He's growing up before my very, he's got a more impressive mustache than me already. And I was asking that question as I was staring at him awkwardly on the couch. What am I doing every single day to make sure that he's set up, come on, to run in his generation and win? I know there were many parents who were asking that this week as they were dropping their kids off to college, mamas and dads out there who were finding it hard to let your kids go. You were asking this question, hey, how have I set my kids up to keep on running with Jesus now they're not in the family home? I know there have been many older people in our community over the last couple of weeks who have asked this question, hey, I've lived my life not through this lens. I've never really thought about God being a generational God. I got told that my faith was personal. Yes, it's personal, but it's not isolated. And you've been asking this question, well, how do I, with my remaining years, make an impact in the generations to come? Well, I hope and pray the remaining 14 minutes and 18 seconds of this message is gonna help you answer that question. How do you run your leg in such a way so that you set up the generations to come for success? Life is not a sprint, nor is it a marathon. It is a relay race. The way I wanna engage that question is by turning to the word of God. Is there anyone who loves the word of God? Come on, here at New Spring Church, we make no apologies. Come on, we love the word of God. The Bible is an archaic piece of literature from back in the day. The Bible is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with us every day. And that's the reason we engage in our daily reading programs. It's not because we have to, it's because we want to. Come on, 2021 is the year of the Bible and we've been in the Word of God. And we're gonna turn to the book of Hebrews. So if you could Bibles, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And it's all about running your race in such a way to set up the generation to come. Hebrews chapter 12 comes after Hebrews chapter 11. That's not deep nor theological, it's just basic mathematics. And Hebrews chapter 11, if you've been around church for a while, you recognize it as the hall of fame of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the men and women of God who live their lives well. Abraham and Sarah, you got Moses, you got Deborah, you got all these amazing heroes of the faith. And for so many years, as someone who has taught the Bible, I've always just lent into that passage as examples of people who did it well. But what I never ever saw was the purpose of that passage was to let us know there have been people who have run before us, now it's your turn to run. Somebody lived their life, somebody loved their world, somebody rolled their dice and did it for the glory of King Jesus. Now they have run, now it's your turn to run. And you see that in the start of Hebrews chapter 12. In verse one it says, therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, or in other words, all these faith heroes live their lives, now they're sitting in the stands watching you run now. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
Or in other words, every faith hero who has gone before has gone before to set you up to run your race in such a way that you will set up, come on, the generation to come. Our biological children, our spiritual children, we have an opportunity by the way we live our lives to set them up to run their leg of their race in a successful way. But how are we gonna run our leg successfully? Well, really simply put, I wanna break this verse down in a couple of sections, make some kind of observations, and I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna dare you, and I'm gonna double-dog dare you to put some of this, come on, into practice every single day. If you have a leather-bound journal and a pen, pull it out right now, you're gonna take down notes today. I'm not saying you need to take notes to get into heaven, I'm just saying, why take a chance? If you have like a new spring app, open that up. If you have an iPhone, iPad, iPod, from back in the early 2000s, if you have an Android device, a Google device, open up whatever you need to open up. We're going to lean into this scripture. Come on, and we're gonna run our race. Come on, we're gonna run our leg. Come on, we're gonna set up the generations to come for success. If you believe that, come on, let's praise Jesus for a moment in the room. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing we need to do, if we're gonna live our lives if we're going to engage in faith in such a way to set up the generations to come, we have to first and foremost, it says there, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The first thing we need to do is to throw something off. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's something you need to throw off. There's something you need to throw off. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second option, hey, you need to throw something off. Come on, you need to throw something off. I love the Olympics. I make no apologies, I am obsessed with the Olympics. Two weeks, I am locked in. And congratulations, America. Even though the Olympics technically isn't a competition against the rest of the world, America has turned it into that, and America, again, won the Olympics. So give yourselves a hand and a pat on the back. All right, it was close, because my people, the Chinese, were like kinda ahead for a long time, you know what I'm saying? But America got just across the line. But just remember this, America. Every single time one of your athletes stood on that podium and you saw that American flag go up into the sky as the Star Spangled Banner was being sung, just remember, that flag going up into the sky, made in China, baby, made in China. <laughs> I love the Olympics. I love getting into weird sports that I don't care about any other time except for the Olympics. Artistic swimming, who cares about artistic swimming? Walking. You know, I, I'll sit there for half an hour watching people walk because I'm all about the Olympics. Uh, I love the blue ribbon um, um, events as well, like the, the 100 meter sprint, the four by 100 meter relay. Could you imagine sitting at your, on your couch, looking at your TV and watching that four by 100 meter relay and you saw the American team coming out and three of them were dressed the way that an American sprinter is dressed, and not much, you know what I'm saying? Kind of squeezed into like a little man leotard, and they're standing out there. And then the, the person, that, there's, a, there's a fourth member of that team, and, and, and he's not wearing like one of those kind of, you know, America leotards. Uh, he's like wearing like a full, like, you know, like a track suit, a heavy jacket. He's got a beanie on his head, he's got duck boots on his feet. He's got a backpack on his back. In one hand, he's got a coffee. The other hand, he's got a Twinkie. <laughs> it's a strange picture, isn't it? It'd be preposterous to think that someone would try to run a leg of their race dressed that way. But that's exactly what many of y'all are doing. In your heart, you wanna set up 
for generations to come. There are mothers and fathers who want their children to have a chance to run in freedom that they never dreamt possible. But they're making decisions every day to run their leg of the race, encumbered, hindered, weighed down, tangled up. So would you throw something off? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to throw something off. Come on, husbands and wives, turn to each other and say, hey baby, you need to throw, no, no, throw <laughs> something off. You gotta throw off the sin that entangles. That's the reason we need to deal with addiction in our life. That's the reason we need to deal with unforgiveness in our life. That's the reason we need to deal with gossip in our life. And for the record, gossip isn't just sharing news. Gossip is having any conversation about anyone you wouldn't have with that person in the room. That's the reason you need to deal with idols in your life. That's the reason there are some men and some women who have to deal with some of the things that they engage with on the internet. Because your secret sin today will surface in your sons and your daughters. And we need to throw off, come on, the sin that entangles. Like full disclosure, that's what drives me towards being so disciplined with what I surf around when I'm on the internet. There are so many images and so many rabbit holes. There are so many dark pits I can fall into. And I'm here to, with full disclosure, let you know what drives me to stay away isn't the fact that I'm just a pastor and I need to have integrity when I preach. It's not because I love my wife with everything inside of me and it would break her heart. But honestly, the thought that springs into my head before I, before, before I start walking down some of those paths is the thought of, I don't want my son Josiah one day to find himself hidden in a room with his young wife in the next room. I'm gonna kill a giant so my son doesn't have to fight it. And you can too. Throw off the sin that entangles. Come on, women here in the room. There are some things that aren't necessarily sin, but they're hindrances. I think sometimes in the South we do this, we kind of work out what is a sin technically, and then we get to do everything else outside of that. <laughs> but here the writer of Hebrews messes with you. <laughs> he says, all right. The sin that you define and the stuff that holds you back all gets thrown into the same pot. So that comparison that is an addiction in your life, you can't handle doing life, not feeling like you're doing better than everyone else. If you don't want your daughter one day to be trapped by that curse, break that curse in your life today. That debt that you are racking up, don't hinder your children with it. That bitterness, that offense, that attitude about other people, deal with that hindrance today so that your children won't have to be trapped in it tomorrow. Can someone say a good amen to that? Yeah. Throw it off. The second thing we need to do, write this one down. We gotta run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So the first thing we need to do is throw something off. Say throw it off. Throw it off. Come on, 9.15, throw it off. And the second thing you need to do, you need, you need to run your race. Say, run your race. Come with a little bit of attitude, run your race. Come on, a little bit of urban attitude, run your race. <laughs> you gotta run your race. 
Because the Bible says here, not only do we have to throw some things off, we've got to run our race. If you don't hear anything else, I hope and pray each and every single one of you hear this this morning. You have a faith race to run. You do. Man in the t-shirt that you're busting out of because your arms are so big, sitting in the front row. You've got a faith race to run. And here's the crazy part. God drew the lines for that race. I wasn't kidding around when I said that I love the Olympics. I love the Olympics. For some reason, growing up in Australia and being like a relatively small country population-wise, we always used to like kind of bat above our average and, and it was always a really cool thing. And I can remember so much of my life through the lens of the Olympics, especially the 100 meters. Who remembers Carl Lewis? Remember 1984, 1988, Carl Lewis. Remember Carl Lewis? Remember Usain Bolt through the early 2000s kind of just could not be beaten, all right? Just think about this. Carl Lewis and Usain Bolt, before they ran their famous races, had someone without a name go out and draw lines for them to run in. God, before you breathe your first breath, came out into the world and drew lines just for you. How dare you not run your race? How dare you think that you don't have anything special to bring? Come on, how dare you think that you don't have a gift? Come on, how dare you think that you're not important? Come on, how dare you think that you're not special? Come on, how dare you think that you're not gonna make an impact in the world when before the beginning of time, God came out onto the track and drew a lane for you. It wasn't for me to run. It wasn't for your wife to run. It wasn't for your father to run. Come on, it's for you to run. So run your race. Turn to your neighbor and say, run your race. Come on, you gotta run your race. Come on, you've got light to shine every day. You've got your testimony to share every day. You have opportunity to bring people closer to Jesus that I don't have an opportunity to bring. Come on, every single day. Come on, you have resources to steward. Come on, you have finances to govern. You have an opportunity, come on, to run your race. And I promise you this, what is gonna impact your children's lives more than any preacher they hear, any speaker they like, any sermon they sit under is the way that you ran your race. Did you do it faithfully? Did you do it bravely? Did you, man or woman of God, do it with humility? Run your race. And every college student watching right now, I know our Columbia campus has a bunch of USC people moving in and down there in Myrtle Beach, um, Coastal Carolina. Man, they some fun people down in Coastal, you know what I'm saying? All my Clemson people, the Anderson people. Come on, even as a college student, you get to run your race. And it's going to impact the people around you, their children. Come on, and their children's children. Someone say a good amen to that. Come on, you've got to run your race. Next point, quickly, write this one down. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured. So we need to throw something off. We need to run our race. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. That word fixing our eyes on Jesus literally means concentrating so heavily on Jesus. That Greek verb is stronger than just look at Jesus. You have to lock eyes with Jesus and not break gaze. Um, if they ever start a professional football league 
for Asian kids throwing the ball in their front yard, my son is going to be a franchise quarterback, a franchise wide receiver, because my son and I, nearly every single night, will go onto our front yard and we'll throw the ball to one another, and I'm here to let you know my son is incredible in that environment. When I'm throwing the ball to him, he never drops a ball. So I thought to myself, what's gonna happen is like, I'm, he'll be able to translate that skill to a football camp. He's gonna go to a football camp, he's gonna get recognized, someone's gonna give him a scholarship. I'm not gonna have to pay for college. That was the game plan. <laughs> Took him to a football camp, and oh, was I wrong. <laughs> I'm out there on the first day, and my poor son couldn't catch a ball. Like things that we were doing in the front yard, and it was so easy, and he couldn't catch a ball. Why? Because he'd never tried to catch a ball with coaches watching. Uh, defenses running around, other people standing in line. There were so many things that he was getting distracted by, he lost view of the ball. So after the first session, I pulled him aside, hey son, just keep your eye on the ball. Don't worry about everything else that's going around, just keep your eye on the ball. The rest of the camp was so much better. I'm here to let someone know that I know there's a lot of craziness swirling in the world right now. Oh no, here we go again. Oh, you know what's going to happen. Oh, you know what's going to happen to the school year. Oh, you know what's going to happen to the college football year. Oh, you know what's going to happen in the future. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I know there's a lot of worry and fear and anxiety, come on, floating around the world. There's a lot of people saying this, a lot of people saying that. Come on, keep your eyes on Jesus. And side note, it says here, keep your eyes on Jesus. You know why? Because he endured and set an example. I know there are a lot of people wanting to give up. A lot of people who just want to throw everything in the air and just walk away. Your endurance today is going to spawn beautiful endurance in your children, both biological and spiritual, in the years to come. Your ability not to fall for fear, but to stand in faith is going to make a difference in your children and your children's children. Endure. Fourthly and lastly, because the keyboards are playing in the background, letting me know, wind this thing up. There's something we need to throw off. Say throw off. You need to run your race. Run your race. Hey, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Say fix your eyes on Jesus. And the last thing is, we need to finish strong. Say finish strong. Because it says, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition and don't grow weary and don't lose heart. Or in other words, it's easy to grow weary and lose heart and finish with a fizz. But not us, O man of God, not us, O woman of God. Come on, we are not gonna grow weary. We're not gonna lose heart. Come on, we're gonna finish strong. Say finish strong. Come on. All the old people in the room, just like me, come on, we're gonna finish strong. We've made some mistakes, but we're gonna finish strong. I wish I heard this message 30 years ago, but we're gonna finish strong. Hey, I feel like I've already missed my opportunity to impact the generations to come. No, no, we're gonna finish strong. Hey, but Dan, I've made mistakes. I'm a fallen, failed fool. I'm fragmented and met. No, we're gonna finish strong. Come on, all the young people in the room, starting today, you're gonna finish strong. You're not gonna walk down the path that many people walk down that basically shipwrecked their lives. You're gonna finish strong. You're gonna start today and you're going to set yourselves up for a legacy to come. Come on, we're gonna finish strong. Say finish strong. 
And in case some people here in this room think that that word is just for the seniors amongst us. Hey, that finish strong word is for the people who are like 60, 70 plus. Hey, you gotta finish strong. I'm here to let you know, you don't get a guarantee that you're gonna see 60 or 70. All you get is to make a decision every day with the day that has been allotted to me. Come on, I'm gonna finish strong. I'm gonna love in such a way. I'm gonna give in such a way. I'm gonna serve in such a way. I'm gonna stretch my faith muscles in such a way every single day. I learned that young. For anyone who knows me personally, you will know that the energy you see up here ain't nothing compared to the energy you experience when we face to face. I've got no problem poking you in the chest in an appropriate way to let you know there is more of God for your life and He wants to do something powerful through your life. And the reason I'm like that is because of some of the experiences I went through when I was a younger Christian. I started following Jesus when I was 17, around the freshman, my freshman year of college. I went crazy for Jesus all the way through college. By the time I finished college, I was meant to be an accountant. Could you imagine me taking care of your money? I was meant to be an accountant, but I couldn't help but think about preaching the gospel to anyone who will hear it, and anyone who won't hear it, I'm just gonna yell loud enough so they can't miss it, you know what I'm saying? So that was the game plan. So I found myself after college volunteering at my local church and I started right away going crazy trying to tell everyone about Jesus and to live a life worthy of their calling. I remember early in my time volunteering at the church, I came across a businessman. His name was Lim Lee. I know it's a little bit of a weird name for many of y'all, but trust me, your names sound weird to me as well. His name was Lim Lee. And I'm not gonna lie, I was intimidated by Lim Lee because Lim Lee was a really successful businessman and he was a fair bit older than me. But for some reason, Lim Lee enjoyed my talks and he always used to come and encourage me and he he was fascinated by the decisions I was making about serving Jesus. He didn't quite get it himself. He was a very successful business guy and he didn't think it was possible to be a successful business guy and live his life for the glory of God. And I always wanted to challenge Lim, but I was so intimidated by him. Like I said, an older guy, so successful. You know, he, he, drove, he drove a Rolls Royce. I had never seen a Rolls Royce before. I was so intimidated. But then after a couple of months of journeying with Lim, the Holy Spirit really impressed on my heart. I need to challenge Lim to starting today to live for the glory of Jesus with everything that he's got. Lim had invited me and my senior pastor to go on a ski trip with him. Like how bougie is that? And we were gonna go on a ski trip. I've never been to the snow before. I was so excited. And I had just settled it in my heart. At that ski trip where we were hanging out in his chalet, I was gonna look him in the eyes and tell him he has one life to live and he needs to live it for the glory of God. His money will fade, his cars will rust, his property will be dispersed amongst his relatives, but he can live his life in such a way that he can leave a generational heritage to people to come. I was so excited about sharing that with Lim. The night before we left for the ski chalet, I get a phone call at 9 p.m. at night. It was my senior pastor, Phil. I pick up the phone and right away, I thought to myself, Pastor Phil was gonna talk about like the transport arrangements getting up to the chalet. But the first words out of Pastor Phil's mouth were this, Lim died today. He got there early, he was going down a black run, he hit 
a tree and he died instantly. I remember the sadness that washed over me because I thought to myself, I've lost a friend, but the deeper sadness was this, I never got to tell him. That his life didn't need to be defined by the car he drove or the watch on his wrist or the money in his bank, but he could live a life every single day for the glory of God that would impact the generations to come. And I'm here to look at you fair and square in the eyes and let you know, would you start today Come on, living your life in a generational way because your ski trip, my friend, is not guaranteed. Would you live your life? Would you love? Would you give? Would you forgive? Would you put your hand up and say, you know what, I wanna lead that rally group because there are a group of young men and young women who could learn from my experiences. Come on, would you show up a little early on a Sunday and invest into our kids' spring ministry. Come on, because we need more young people getting Jesus on their level. Would you give your life away for the generations? Because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. So just a couple of simple homework questions. As we pick up our baton and run our leg in the relay race. The first thing is, Hey, what do you need to throw off? What sin, what hindrance, what bitterness, what offense, what idol, what do you need to throw off? And then secondly, how can you finish strong every single day? Because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. I'm gonna hand this space over to a pastor or a leader in your campus right now. But I hope and pray that outside of the conversation that will happen in the next couple of minutes and the Cracker Barrel lunch you're gonna experience in about an hour, this thought will be bouncing around your head and your heart. What do I need to throw off? And how can I finish strong every single day? Can someone say a good amen to that? Lord Jesus, we love you, Father God. Be blessed. Holy Spirit, finish what you started. And we thank you, God, that you're generational, that you take faith from the past and you use it to bring life in the present. So help us as your people a new spring church that has always been committed to the generations. Let us make decisions every single day that set up the future for success. Help us by your spirit run our leg in Jesus' name. And all the runners said, amen.